This is episode number 105 of the Fearless Presentations podcast, the fastest, easiest way to eliminate public speaking fear. Want to absolutely eliminate public speaking fear? This podcast is the answer. Here's the guy who literally wrote the book on Fearless Presentations, Doug Stannard. Hey everybody, this is Doug Standard with Fearless Presentations and the Leaders Institute, and this is the Fearless Presentations podcast. It's the podcast that helps people just like you eliminate public speaking fear and become uh, more more poised and confident presenters and speakers. This is episode number 105, and on, on this episode, we're going to talk about how to solicit feedback or, or where you can go to get feedback on your presentations and speeches in a way that that helps you grow in confidence versus reducing confidence, which is what happens a lot of times when we ask people for, <laughs> for feedback on our speeches. So we're going to give you some good tips on, on how to... Um, how to elicit that that feedback and it's I think you might find that a lot of the places that people go to try to get feedback to try to get people to kind of tell them about their speeches is not necessarily the best way to actually do it so we'll give you some tips along the way um, the podcast is brought to you by fearlesspresentations.com um, we have uh, if you've if you've been following us for a while or even if you're just brand new one of the things that we do with fearless presentations is we try to make the fearless presentations process a a a structure where you can reduce public speaking fear over time now we do specialize in our two-day public speaking classes and and I, I they are the absolute best way to reduce public speaking fear in a very very short period of time but we also have a, a couple of additional options. For instance, if you just go to fearlesspresentations.com and register as a free member, you get access to all of our, our old podcast episodes, our, our podcast notes, the, a bunch of videos that we, that we do um, that are self-help videos that are, that are really helpful and didn't cost you anything. Now, we also have a series of online courses that will, that will help you over time reduce public speaking fear. And the absolute best way to reduce public speaking fear is with the Fearless Presentations classes, which um, you, by, by purchasing a seat in one of our Fearless Presentations classes in any of the, class, in any of the cities that we, that we teach in around the world, about 30 different cities, you actually get access to not only that two-day class, but you can come back again as many as two more times in a year. Plus, you get access to all of the online videos. Plus, you get access to all of all the online courses and the videos and the podcasts and all that kind of stuff too. So, um, so we try to make it to where no matter where you're at in your public speaking growth. We have something for you. Now, we have classes coming up toward the end of the year, 2019. We've got classes in Phoenix, Indianapolis, Orlando, Atlanta, Detroit, New York, uh, and uh, Seattle. Those are all coming up before the end of the year. In 2020, we've got classes in Columbus, Miami, L.A., Los Angeles, um, Washington, D.C., Boston, Chicago, Portland, Pittsburgh, Minneapolis, San Antonio, and then we start back over with with Phoenix and Indianapolis. So, so basically, that that is a it's a a good that that'll give you a good overview of some of the 
cities that we're going to be teaching in in the next few months. So if you're interested in attending any of those classes, make sure and go to fearlesspresentations.com, register for a class, and you should hear back from one of our instructors very, very quickly about the availability of seats in each one of those classes. So, so let's get on with today's podcast. Hey, so on the podcast today, we're going to talk about how to how to collect feedback on a presentation. How exactly do we collect that feedback? Where do we go to solicit feedback that's going to help us grow as a, as a speaker? And are there places that will help us do that? Well, the answer is yes. Absolutely yes. There are some fantastic ways for you to to uh, get feedback on your presentations, but there's also some really bad ways to do it too. So keep in mind that what most people think, the traditional routes of getting feedback, can actually hurt us as a speaker. So be very, very careful about that. Um, the one of the, in fact, I'll give you a, kind of a funny story. This is this is kind of what made me think about this as as being a topic. Um, this was when, when I first started as, well, I don't want to say when I first started, because I was probably, I'd been speaking professionally for about eh, a decade or so by the time that I started the Leaders Institute. And one of the first clients that I had was a, was a, uh, a group that had me come out a couple of times as a keynote speaker at their quarterly meetings. So every, every three or four months, they would, every three months, I guess, they would have a, a, a meeting and it was at the, um, uh, in, in downtown Dallas and they had me come out once and they liked my speech so much that they had me come back out on the next, the next quarter and deliver um, another speech. And after the second speech, the members of the group would, they came up to the front of the room and they were, they were shaking my hand and thanking me and, and they complimented me, complimented me as a speaker over and over again. And I felt really good about my presentation. And then the last woman that came up to speak to me was, she was actually the founder of this association that had hired me. And she had long retired from the industry, but since she was the founder of the organization, she was still quite involved in the the meetings. So um, just like the other attendees, you know, she started with a nice compliment, and and toward the end of the right after the compliment, though, she said something that was that kind of it hit me really in a in a negative way. She said, "Hey, I really enjoyed your speech." She said, "the the group had so much fun listening to you." Do you mind if I give you some critical feedback, though? And of course, you know, I, she's the founder, so I nodded, and and she can she just went right in. She said, "I've noticed that a few times during your speech, you," she said the words "double clutched," which, by the way, I have no idea. Even today, I have no idea what a double clutch is. But um, and then, but she finished by saying, "You know, my Toastmasters groups can probably my Toastmaster group can can probably help you with that." And I smiled and I thanked her for the feedback. Now, just so you know, I didn't change anything that I was doing as a speaker as a result of that particular comment. And and even to this day, I still have no idea what a double clutch is. <laughs> but there, the reason why I didn't make a change, though, was because there were over 100 people in the audience. Dozens of those people told me how great the presentation was. And the group liked my delivery so much that they actually paid a fee for me to come to speak to them twice. So although I got a single anecdotal comment to that suggested that I make a change, I, I didn't really do a whole lot. By the way, most speakers, just with that one anecdotal suggestion, would make a change because of that comment. I didn't, though. Um, and it's not because I'm stubborn, and it's not because I'm... 
uh, I'm arrogant or anything like that. It's mainly because I've kind of figured out that a lot of times when people are giving us these comp- comments, they're they're they they mean well. They're trying to help us, but in reality, they don't have as much experience doing what it is that we're doing as what we do. And so as a result, sometimes the advice that they give us it might actually be negative. And so we're going to talk about that in the beginning here. We're going to talk about the traditional ways to collect feedback on a presentation and how some of these can be actually fairly detrimental to your your growth as a speaker. So you want to be very careful. Um, the, the very first and the most common way to get feedback is the printed exit survey from the audience. It, it's real, it's the most common way to solicit feedback it, it, it is by just leaving a survey on the chairs or at the tables. As a professional speaker though, I found that this technique is absolutely the least helpful uh, by far. I mean, head and shoulders. I mean, it's like, it it is so poor compared to some of the other types of feedback that you can get. The surveys basically tell you if your audience liked you. They typically don't tell you how well that you presented. And in the early days of, of the fearless presentations classes, when I first started to teach other instructors how to, how to deliver the fearless presentations class, I was a big believer in the printed surveys and, and we surveyed every single graduate. Every, every time somebody went through the, the class, we would have them fill out an exit survey. And I used those surveys as a way to measure the instructor's effectiveness. Now, when I was doing it by myself, just so you know, after the first two or three years, I kind of noticed that most of the time the exit surveys were kind of saying the same thing anyway. So I wasn't really gathering a whole lot of new information. But when I started training other instructors and those other instructors started using the exit surveys, um, I, I kind of I, I figured out that they have a big, huge flaw built right into them. And, and this came to a head once when out of the blue, I got a phone call from a class member who wanted a partial refund for his tuition, and, which was weird, by the way. I mean, and, and, by the way, we have a 100% satisfaction guarantee for all of our classes, but nobody has ever actually asked us for it. <laughs> so this was something that was kind of weird. It was totally out of the blue. And and it wasn't like he was asking for a full refund. He just wanted a partial refund. So I asked him a few questions to, to kind of clarify. And what he told me was just, it was actually even more odd. He said, well, the instructor let us out of class 30 minutes early each day and i want a refund for that missed time so that was a weird request and and so what i did was i did a little bit of investigating and i I looked at all the past surveys from this guy's instructor the 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 person the guy who actually taught the the class i looked at all of this guy the the instructor's exit surveys for like the past six months and the exit surveys for this particular instructor were top notch. They were, in fact, they were higher than most of the other instructors that, that I was receiving feedback for. And just so you know, I mean, most of the time, the exit surveys for all of our instructors, because they're so highly trained, are going to be, you know, at, at a, you know, 10 out of 10, 10 out of 10, 10 out of 10, 10 out of 10, 10 out of 10. So, I mean, it, it's very, very rare that they get anything less than that. But if it is, it would be, you know, 9 out of 10 every once in a while or something like that. So... So the, the exit surveys weren't really telling me a whole lot. And so what I did was I tried to set up, uh, or, or I went ahead and set up an audit of this instructor's next class. And it turns out that after auditing this class, this instructor wasn't following our instructor guide at all. I mean, he was doing something totally different. He was teaching a class, but it wasn't the Fearless Presentations class. And his class members were were 
getting they they weren't getting that massive reduction in public speaking fear that we promised them because he was doing something different than what our other instructors were doing but just so you know they had no way of knowing this they had no way of knowing that they weren't getting the real fearless presentations class and they liked the instructor so as a result, they gave him high marks on, on the survey. So th they weren't qualified to really judge how effective he was as an instructor. Basically, so what they did was they were just telling, telling me as the owner of the company how much they liked the guy who was teaching the class. Two totally different things. So the results that, that, um, the results that they were receiving as an audience were really subpar compared to what they would have gotten if one of my other instructors had, had – um, taught that class. So I, I made some changes that day as a result, just to make sure that we had the, uh, the, uh, the top notch quality control. And we started auditing classes of, of all of our instructors on a, on a much more regular basis than waiting until we get a complaint from somebody. And since then we've, that was the last complaint that we've gotten as far as, as far as, um, content in the class and stuff like that. So it's interesting how, um, we, we were using that exit survey as a way to, sh to, let us know when an instructor was doing well, but in reality, it didn't really suit that purpose. So the second way that people will sometimes solicit feedback on their presentations is they'll collect feedback from friends or coworkers. And this type of feedback can also be detrimental depending on how, how, um, effective your your friends or coworkers are at get at coaching i guess is the, is the best way to to say it but um remember that when we ask a friend or coworker or boss when we ask them for feedback a lot of times what they think we are asking for is criticism or constructive criticism in some cases but most of the time these people mean well but they they'll they will have the focus of wanting to help you improve so even if you did really really well they're going to try to find some way to help you get even better. And so many of these suggestions that they offer can actually be counter-effective in your presentation growth. Uh, in, in fact, in a lot of cases, the suggestions that people will sometimes offer, they can have the speaker who's receiving this feedback focus on fixing symptoms versus actually, actually fixing the problem. Whatever the problem is that they're facing, a lot of times that will show up as a symptom. We focus on trying to fix the symptom and the, the problem still remains there. Um, for instance, one of the things that we hear a lot is if a, a speaker talks faster when he or she gets nervous, then a friend might suggest that that person slow down. However, the speaking faster is a symptom of nervousness. So slowing down most of the time will just make the person more conscious of the nervousness. And so the nervousness will actually show up in a multitude of additional symptoms other than speaking fast. And so we, we fix the problem of speaking faster, which by the way, I, in my book, I don't think that's really a problem for the most part. But if if you if you are trying to fix that particular problem, now the nervousness will show up in a number of other different ways. So your hands will start shaking more. You'll start to lose your train of thought more, and things like that. Things that you didn't anticipate from making that little change. An analogy for this would be like if your check engine light comes on on your car, and you I mean you can actually crawl underneath the dashboard of your car and snip the electrical wire to, that runs to the light that goes to the check engine light and the light's going to go off. 
but the problem with the engine is still going to be there and it's going to get more dramatic. And that's what tends to happen when you start working on symptoms versus it solving the actual problem. So a lot of times it's better to ask these friends something a little bit more specific if you're wanting feedback. So if you, at the end of your, your practice with them or at the end of the presentation, you can, you can go up to a friend and say, okay, so did what I say make sense? Um, was what I said easy to understand? Questions like that are going to be much better ways to get feedback from them. And it's not going to be as, as uh, critical in the most part. It's not going to, it's not going to make you more nervous when you hear that, when you hear the answers to those questions. The third thing is the self-criticism from video presentation feedback. And this final type of feedback that, that uh, I'm going to talk about to kind of avoid, it's really the most detrimental. This is the one that, especially if you are a nervous speaker, this will make you more nervous than any of the other types of feedbacks uh, that, that we've talked about so far. So be very, very careful about recording yourself and using that as a way to help you improve. Um, and, and in fact, I would, I would, I would never encourage you to video yourself as a way to improve your presentation performance. I, I know in the industry and in, in the public speaking coaching industry, you see a lot of folks doing that. And we even do it in our classes a little bit. We don't do it a whole lot, but we do it a little bit, but we should, we do it as a way to show improvement. We do, we do it as a way to show that you're doing well versus using it as a, a way to critique a, a speaker. Um, because what happens is you are your own worst critic. You're going to nitpick every negative thing. If you watch yourself on video, you'll nitpick every single negative thing about your delivery, about yourself. And when you conduct that, um, in fact, when we conduct our, our video feedback in, in our, in the fearless presentations classes, in our coaching sessions, we focus on the positive. And if you, if you focus on your natural strengths, then you're going to grow as a speaker. If you focus on your weaknesses, though, then those natural weaknesses are going to grow. And that that can be a challenge. That's the exact opposite of what folks folks want. So, all right. So those are kind of things that you really want to stay away from. If you want to find ways to get much better feedback to to as a way to help you improve, then um, then I, I would do some things like, for instance, if if you want, um, if you want really, really good feedback, the best way that I've ever found to get feedback about how well I'm doing as a speaker is to is to watch the way the audience reacts to the way that I deliver the presentation. That is a much better way to judge your effectiveness. So the main reason why I didn't make any changes in that first example that I talked about when the founder of that association gave me feedback was because over a dozen people before her came up to tell me and personally thank me for the speech. <laughs> that feedback was way more important to me than that little one tiny piece of criticism. And so my advice is to, to look around the room as you speak. And if you're looking around the room and the audience members are on their cell phones, if you're, if you're, if, if they are, by the way, if they're on their cell phones, then you're less, you're most likely less interesting to them than whatever's on their cell phone. So you should make some changes if you're, if you're seeing that. If, if people are getting up and leaving the room while you're speaking, 
then a couple of things is prob are probably happening. One, you've probably kept them sitting in that seat too long and without giving them a break. Or it could be that you're incredibly boring. I don't know. But if you're seeing people get up and walk out of the room, that's usually a bad sign. That's feedback that you can use to kind of say, okay, whatever I was doing before that, I need to kind of make a change to. Um, if they're, by the way, but if you're, if if the people in the audience are looking at you and they're nodding at you when you speak, then you're probably doing well, and they're agreeing with you. They're paying attention. So that that feedback that you're getting from your from your audience can be fantastic a fantastic way to to really judge how well you're doing. Now, just so you know, uh, this by the way, this won't be in the podcast notes. So this is kind of a little extra thing if you're. If you're following along on the on the podcast notes, one of the things about the audience feedback is that just because the audience is reacting negatively doesn't necessarily mean you're doing anything wrong. So just kind of be careful about using this as your only way to get feedback. But it's a good way if you are getting that positive feedback, you know you're doing well. You know you are presenting really, really well. Um, if you are not getting that positive feedback, you might want to make make some changes to in order to try to elicit that positive feedback. So in addition to the the feedback that you get from the audience while you're speaking prior to going to that presentation, one of the things that you can do is get visual is look at the visual feedback from your friends and coworkers. So we talked earlier about how the verbal feedback from friends and coworkers can sometimes really throw you off. The visual feedback, though, can be very, very helpful. So one of the tips that we give folks in our classes is is to practice your presentation with a partner. And, and by the way, we do this in our classes before most of the presentations that we assign. We have them. We have the folks in the classroom actually design a presentation, help them. We show them how to design a presentation, and then we have them practice it with somebody else in the classroom. That way, they get to kind of run through it. You'll typically do a little bit better after after a quick run through than if you just try to deliver the presentation cold. So it's a good technique to use. And as you run through that presentation with this other person you can see how that other person is reacting. When you, when you say things that they understand, then they tend to kind of nod in agreement. And when you say things that are confusing, then their facial expressions will kind of change. And when you see that those changes in the facial expression, this allows you to alter and adapt your delivery. So you'll get better as a speaker by practicing with somebody. So if you, and by the way, and if, you, if, if you're practicing alone, you just don't get that important feedback on, on your presentation. So practicing with a, with a, with a partner typically will, will help you a lot in your delivery. And it's a good way to, to elicit some feedback. Um, one of the, the uh, most important parts about this, though, is that um, remember what we said about the way that people will kind of coach us. So that visual feedback that you're getting is really, really powerful. But a lot of times your your partner, not knowing that they might be hurting you, might give you some advice and say, oh, maybe you should try doing blank. Keep in mind that unless they are a professional speech coach, they probably have less experience speaking in front of a group than what you do, especially if you're doing this on a consistent basis. And so a lot of times you just want to thank them for the for the for the the thought and and then in a lot of cases you'll just kind of disregard it um doesn't mean you have to but in in a lot of cases disregarding that feedback can actually be very very helpful um another way and this is the way that we always encourage folks to to do it is get feedback on your presentation from a professional coach 
somebody who is a person who gets paid to speak in front of a group is going to help you improve your performance a whole lot better and a whole lot faster than what you can do by yourself or by getting feedback from from folks that don't speak for a living. And so eventually you may get to a point where you want some professional help with your presentation and investing in a good presentation class can be a, a wise decision. So if you've got a big presentation coming up where you really have a lot on the line, then feedback from an independent third party can really help. In fact, that, that's the way I began helping companies with um, what we call shortlist presentations. Uh, the very first time that I did one of those, a company in Houston had a series of these high-level sales presentations, which amounted to really millions of dollars on the line. If they did really well in these presentations and they had a shot at getting millions and millions and millions of dollars in additional revenue, additional income, if they didn't do so well, it would make sure that they didn't get that income. Income. So they wanted someone outside of their company to help them deliver the absolute best presentation possible. And after, after I helped them with just a few of these, I got better and better as a coach. And in fact, we, we went on a run where, um, where at one point, I think we were closing, I, I think we closed 12 in a row. Um, I know when I finished, I know we closed, you know, over 80% of these presentations. So uh, if you if you really really want to improve and, and time is of the essence and you got a big presentation on the line, then uh, hiring a, a coach to come in and work with you, a professional coach to come in can can really help you. So it's kind of like I mean the analogy I like to use here is it's kind of like if you wanted to play golf, you know if you want to learn how to play golf, you can get a, a few of your friends together if they're really good at golf and you might improve incrementally. But if you want to get really, really good, you hire a golf pro, somebody who has actually been on the circuit, who knows what he or she is doing and have that person give you lessons. And they're going to keep you from forming bad habits. They're going to keep you from from uh, falling into to some of the traps that a lot of people fall into when they're practicing on their own. And, and a good public speaking coach can do the same thing for you. Uh, and that, by the way, that's one of the reasons why folks will tend to attend our public speaking classes, because instead of paying that that fee for that one-on-one -on -one coaching. So if you get a professional speaking coach to come out and just coach you individually, that can be that can get pretty expensive. <laughs> you know, so the these the the time of these professional coaches is is pretty dear. And so you're going to pay a, a pretty significant fee. But if you can break that fee up between, you know, eight people or 10 people or 12 people, now all of a sudden that's where it becomes more cost effective. And that's why our classes do so well, because we can get professional public speaker, speakers and speaking coaches to actually come to you for a much smaller fee. So if you do want to get some of that professional feedback, go to fearlesspresentations.com, look at our, our public speaking schedule, register for, for one of the classes, and we'll get one of our best public speaking coaches to, to focus with you and help you get better as a speaker. So thanks a lot for being a part of the Fearless Presentations podcast. We'll see you next week. Subscribe to this podcast for new public speaking secrets each week.